uh, me and mine, and then to see Elizabeth and hers come on along. And so uh, I shared with you uh, Logan's blessing as far as getting his upgraded banjo. So uh, Landon, I've found out today, Landon inherited Logan's old banjo, and he's also got an acoustic electric bass at Landon, so he's six. And then I know that uh, Lauren, Lauren and Lindsay got uh, fiddles for Christmas. So anyway, uh, so to see them come along, it's a blessing. I appreciate uh, the family there and family singing and and uh, just. And of course, to see, I think, uh, yeah, probably, I'd, I'd imagine that uh, Philip's bunch will do, and maybe Anna's bunch, maybe. Uh, I wouldn't. I, I do know that uh, Rebecca and them sings as well. So it is a blessing to see that next generation come along, and um, just like watching folks grow up. And you know, when I first got acquainted with with you all, and uh, several years ago at camp, uh, Troy and. And Abby wasn't married yet, and uh, so uh, to see to see what the Lord has done for them and their family, and of course, uh, getting to know Sarah back then, see Joe and and Sarah and their family, and of course, they're in their prayers, and that's just a blessing to watch. And of course, to, I just heard some things this morning, even among Josh and Jennifer and their children, um, that really pleased my heart. And uh, uh, this morning, just to to kind of see that you know where the preaching is settling in. And uh, and they're taking it they're taking it to their home and they're putting it into their family and it just was a blessing to me and I just want to share that and while I'm there I just want to thank the Lord for all your prayers again for uh, me last week and still having some difficult times uh, but then uh, also the gifts and the the prayers and 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 the, just your kindness and everything toward us in this holiday season that's come my way and. Uh, I know Miss Tina asked Lisa about a, a gift that uh, come her way, and she said, "I haven't opened it yet, so she doesn't spoil the, what was in it." And uh, and I was just to give us something to open tomorrow, so it's all we just took them in and put them under the tree, and uh, so uh, so there's that. But I do appreciate uh, your love toward us and your kindness uh, toward us in in that. All right, so let's look at uh, sanctification. Let's go to. Uh, again, second, let's go to 2 Timothy 2, 2 Timothy 2, I'm sorry, 2 Thessalonians, Whew. where in the world am I at? 2 Thessalonians 2, so again, as I was sitting there this, this, this afternoon and just looking back over the, the whole tabernacle thing, it just wasn't, it wasn't coming and so I began to pray and ask the Lord to tell me where to go to. And he said, so I looked up the word. Of course, there's a lot of word studies and often, you know, uh, words mean things. And, of course, the, the root word for sanctification is sanctify. And uh, Brother Tim, in his Sunday school lesson to the joint adults, uh, did bring out the first mention principle of that. Uh, and then uh, I ran the reference while he was there, there in Exodus 19, but it's beyond. There was one other little verse there that I'll hit in just a second uh, that deals with not only was it the close, uh, but it was something else there too that I noticed, and I'll bring that out because it kind of goes here in the New Testament as well. Uh, but the word sanctification used five times, the whole word sanctification, all right, used five times in the New Testament. 
And we'll look at all five, verse, uh, all five times. One, two of them are in, um, in 1 Thessalonians. We'll get to that in just a minute. But again, just to bring this out, the next step in, prepare, in preparation for what we're going to be learning on Wednesday, and it just seems where the Lord have us, and it won't be, you know, too awful long, I don't reckon. But anyway, so we, but we already uh, uh, rehearsed this morning when I, I did mention the positional sanctification that we have in salvation, and then we're going to see that here, and then the uh, progressive sanctification. And basically, when you look up the word in, in Webster's 1820, uh, 8 Dictionary, then it does have two definitions. And one basically alludes to the positional and the other alludes to the progressive. And so I've pulled out the definition, both of those definitions there, and then the verses that goes along with them, the five times that it's used here in the New Testament. All right, so here we go. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, 2 Thessalonians 2, and verse... 13, 2 Thessalonians 2 and verse 13. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth, whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which ye have been taught, whether by word or our epistle. Now our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God, even our Father, which hath loved us and hath given us everlasting consolation and good hope through grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. All right? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to thank you, uh, Lord, for your goodness and your graces. Thank you, Lord, for where you have us. Amen. Obviously, you want something more for our lives. And, you want, and I pray that we'll be yielded to your, uh, to your work in our lives and help us, Lord, <coughs> not only to be yielded but to be purposed to examine ourselves. You ask that you examine, and when you point things out, help us to be purposed that we either get rid of it if you want us to get rid of it or take it on if you want us to take it on. And Lord, help us to be uh, all that we can be. Help us to grow in your grace and your knowledge, and I pray that uh, others will see our lives and glorify you uh, as we read there, our lights as we read there in the book of Matthew. And I ask and pray that, uh, that they'll come to Christ, that they'll see a difference, and that our walk will be circumspect, and our walk will be one that glorifies your name. I pray, thanking you, Lord, for the growth that we've seen in our families here. And I thank you, Lord, for, uh, for Troy and his family, and for Sarah and Joe and their family, and, and allowing us to get to know them through the years, and to, to watch your blessings upon their families. And I pray that you will continue to bless them, and bless them as they labor and they serve there at Bethany. And I pray that you'll be with Bethany and the church there and the fellowship that we enjoy with them and, uh, and Pollard that you also would bless in, uh, in, in that fellowship and uh, bless in the next Sunday services that you would have your willing way in those services. Help, uh, I pray, 
thinking you that, uh, that Jacob Burley has an opportunity to go and preach there, and I pray that you would bless that and uh, that time together and just help him to grow uh, thereby. And we ask and pray these things in Christ's name. Amen and amen. So, the first definition of sanctification, when I looked up sanctification, of course, it says see sanctify, and I didn't go see sanctify, just dealing with sanctification. And you've heard it throughout the day, but this is the, the, the dictionary definition, the act of making holy. <laughs> the act of making holy. In an evangel- in evangelical sense, the act of God's grace by which the affections of men are purified or alienated from sin in the world and exalted to a supreme love to God. Now that's God's work in us. And we see that here in this first verse that we looked at, verse number 13. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you. This is Paul again talking, writing here in this epistle, the second epistle to the Thessalonican church. Uh, and so we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. Again, going back to what Brother Glenn pointed out this morning, oftentimes we run across these phrases in the Word of God that sounds a little Calvinistic if you want to, if the Calvinists want to grab a hold of that and say, see? From the beginning, God chose you. Well, wait a minute. And when he talks about the elect and, and, and who the elect are, is the ones that believe the truth. And God knew who would, and God knew who wouldn't. And we're to preach a whosoever will may come gospel. Anyway, but here, he's dealing, and again, he's not talking to the sinners. He's talking to the church here. And he's given thanks to God for the church and the fact that they are abounding here uh, in the truth. I mean, that they that, that, that have from the beginning chosen salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. So our belief of the truth, our belief in the gospel causes sanctification of the Spirit to happen to, to, to trans... Uh, yeah, to happen at the time of that spiritual birth. When we're born again, that's what happens. We are sanctified of the Spirit. So we obtain salvation through the sanctification of the Spirit. We are, again, positionally sanctified. When God sees us, He, as, as for our sake of our visitors, and it's just one of those difficult, you know, uh, passages oftentimes, but you just got to separate how God sees us positionally and then what we're still working on has been pointed out today. But in in 1 John chapter 3, and this is one of those positional uh, uh, places that we are in Jesus Christ, whosoever committeth sin transgresses the uh, uh, Also the law for sin is the transgression of the law, and ye know he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him is no sin. Whosoever abideth... In him sinneth not, whosoever sinneth hath not seen him, neither known him. Little children, let no man deceive you. He that doeth righteousness is righteous, even as he is righteous. He that committeth sin is of the devil, for the, for the devil sinneth from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whosoever is born of God doth not Commit sin. You wait a minute. I had a bad thought the other day. 
positionally, I'm born of God, and I'm covered by the blood. Positionally, I'm sanctified. I'm clean. I'm set apart. Like he pointed out today, I'm set apart positionally in him. I'm his child. And when he sees me, he sees the blood of the Lamb. And he sees me, that right there, whosoever is born of God does not commit sin, for his seed remaineth in him. He cannot sin because he is born of God. I, he cannot sin positionally. <laughs> the, the sins are forgotten. The sins are behind his back. They're cast into the sea. That's the way God sees us positionally in Christ. <laughs> Past, present, and future. That's exactly right. Sanctified by the Spirit. So again, the act of making holy. So in the positional sanctification, I'm holy. You ask my wife, she'd say something different, but positionally... I'm holy. And when we we kind of get hold when we get a hold of that, you're just like in awe. Because we know ourselves, it was already said, we look in the mirror and that's who we have to deal with on a day-to-day basis. But positionally, we're sanctified by the Spirit and holy. And then 1 Peter 1, and we see also this other positional sanctification again, the act of making holy in an evangelical sense, the act of God's grace by the affections of men are purified or alienated from sin and the world and exalted to a, uh, uh, to a supreme love of God. That's one of the things that, say, that positional just sanctification does. That's what that new birth does. The new birth, you think of the little ones. I got, uh, hopefully, in the next, uh, um, they, they have a gender reveal for the twins that my Sarah, Sarah Bell, um, uh, expecting twins there in Michigan, and they're going to reveal what they are and, and the names here that they've got picked out. I think they might be holding one of the names just for a surprise for her daddy if, if they're boys. But... Um, we should find out. But when we bring the little ones home, you know, that new birth, we are, we as a, as a babe in Christ are dependent upon the parent. And as, sorry, as a babe is dependent upon the parent, we in Christ are dependent upon God. We, you know, it, it's the milk, it's that it, the dependency. We don't really understand a whole lot. And then, and then in that dependency, there's that love. You know, the, when as the, as the child grows uh, and the knowledge of, I mean, just there's a, just a natural, whether it's mom's smell, mom's heartbeat, mom's something or another, there's just there's something about that. And I know that there's the, this whole science behind of the, uh, the bonding, skin-to-skin contact and all the things that they're doing along those lines today. Even dad skin to skin contact for that bonding time, etc., etc., etc. So this infant who's minutes old outside the womb has a, a, just a natural sense of. They're crying and they're carrying on. You put it in mama's bosom, they settle down. It's 
some reason. There's a heartbeat that they're hearing. There's a, there's a the, the feeling of love. But they're totally dependent upon the parent. And then as they grow, this, this natural love and affection that is, that is produced in that child, but then they're still dependent, but then they're realizing where their sustenance comes from, who sustains them. And as they grow a little, little farther along, you see that, you know, hey, I'm hungry. Who do they go to? They go to the parents. <laughs> Whether it's a cry as an infant or as a toddler, you know, point to something and say drink or point to something and say banana or whatever. Cracker. They understand where their sustenance comes from. And the same thing can be applied over, there's just a natural, when we are positionally sanctified in him, and a babe in Christ, we realize and understand and know in one sense that our dependence is all on him. And then that in itself, like it says there, that affections of men are purified and alienated from sin and the world and exalted to the supreme love of God. It, there, that's, our, our affections then become too to the one that we realize that birthed us in that spiritual birth. The old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. We don't look to the world in the spiritual sense. We look to God because we realize that the birth come from him. So here in 1 Peter 1 and, uh, 1 and 2, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the stranger scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through see people just get stuck on that word elect but there is a through part there <coughs> it's not elect and I can't do nothing about it like the Calvinist wants to do elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit. Unto, see all these good prepositions there. <laughs> and I've preached prepositions before here in this congregation. And, and it's just there. So uh, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. Through sanctification of the Spirit. Unto, so it will produce some things. What is this producing? It produces obedience unto the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace unto you in peace be multiplied again. This is the positional sanctification here in, in 2 Thessalonians and here in, in, in 1 Peter. And he, again, he's talking to the elect that was elect according to the foreknowledge. He knew who was going to be saved. He knew who was going to, to bow in repentance and faith. And then in that, the, through the sanctification of the Spirit, the Spirit then cleanses us, births us, swaddles us. You know, we go back to, again, in Ezekiel, where, where Israel was as that babe that was just left alone in the wilderness with the navel uncut. The birth still on the child, not swaddled and not cleaned, not salted. I heard 
I preached here this morning as I was getting the radio station WSOF going for them this morning before I left. Uh, a little bit louder speakers than the phone speakers because <laughs> they're about all three of them are about half deaf over there. Anyway, just throwing that out. So I was putting the big Bose speakers. Yeah, I put them out. Yeah. No. Anyway, I had that going, and it was Brother Ronnie Simpson. And I've heard the message before, but he was preaching it again, just a rerun there on the radio station. And it was Ronnie Simpson in that passage of Scripture there in Ezekiel. And he talked about the salted and all that, all that was going on. But that's where we were, cast out, unloved, neglected. But God, in his mercy, passed by, and he picked us up. Of course, there's other passages where he established our feet and so on and so forth. But in that passage, he's talking about Israel. But we make application to us as a sinner where he cleans us off. He swaddles us. He salts us. He, he promotes us. Yeah, like he promoted Israel there in that passage. Of course, that Israel goes on to backslide and, and takes all the blessings of God and runs away to her lovers in that passage, but to idols, and they, searched, they, they turned away and served other gods. Which is sad, but what it should do when we realize that that's where we were, and that's what God, through the Holy Spirit, does for us, sanctifies us, sets us apart, and so on and so forth, it should promote our affections toward, toward Him in in the sense of thanksgiving and thankfulness, in the sense of just understanding what he had done for us, and then our, our, our obedience and our servitude is one out of not to keep our salvation, but because we understand what he done for us in salvation. And there's the positional sanctification. The second definition of sanctification, we're running right along here. The second definition of sanctification in the Webster's 1828 Dictionary is the act of consecrating or setting apart for a sacred purpose, consecration. So this is what we can do. This is our part of sanctification where, so again, already alluded to in the Sunday school, preaching a little bit this morning, and, uh, and so on and so forth. When we see, search me, O God, <clears throat> try me, show me any wicked way in me. Amen. When we have that desire, we want to be right, and he does show us. And we act upon what he shows us through the scriptures, as I brought out this morning, what he, and, and as he shows us the scriptures, whether it's our own Bible reading and the Spirit of God says, you know, you're not doing that. And you're like, yes, I'm not doing that. I need to be doing that. And the Holy Spirit says, yes, you do. Because the Holy Spirit not only bears witness with our spirit that we are the sons of God, Romans chapter 8, but the Holy Spirit also bears witness with our spirit that when the preacher gets up and preaches or the teacher gets up and teaches and teaches something that we are, are or are not doing, the Holy Spirit says, that would be you. <laughs> the preacher's delivering the mail, and you said, that letter, open the letter, it's, that one's addressed to you. And so you open the mail and say, yeah, i got to take care of that. And so you come to the altar and take care of it, hopefully. 
You put that in your lives. You put that in your family. And, I, and like I said, I, I'm thankful to see growth in families in the church and, and looking for more growth, actually praying for more growth in certain areas. Again, I can't change your will, but I know who can. <laughs> and I know I've prayed to that end, and I've seen him answer some prayers to that end. And I'm thankful for it. Um, so I can't, I can't stop or I can't start things in your life. That's your will. But, uh, you know, I, I like that one song. I brought it out back some time ago about uh, it's the hornet song. <laughs> so God sent hornets, you know, and they just kind of changed their will. I mean, God sent a whale in Jonah's life. He, he, he didn't, he didn't put, pick up Jonah and put him in him and says, this is where I told you to go and I tell you to preach. No, he took Jonah and put him in uh, the belly of a whale to the bottom of the sea. And then Jonah all of a sudden had a change of heart. So, so oftentimes when I can't make people do, I can say, all right, Lord, send them a whale, please. <laughs> make them change. Make them turn. Make them consider where they ought to be in life. And, uh, and, and like I said, I prayed, I, well, when my son was in the Coast Guard, I prayed that, literally <laughs> that he would be kicked off the ship and actually float around out there on a, 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 boot, you know, a, a life preserver or whatever for about seven days or so before he's found, just so he could consider some things. Although God didn't do it that way, <laughs> I'm still praying that God would kick him off the ship, you know, wherever he's at right now, and uh, in, a, in, a, in a spiritual sense, to help him to consider some things. Uh, you say, you know, you would do that. I'm just, if it would get him, you know, the circle, I don't want the circle to be broken. You know, I, that's one of the things over here, a lot of reminiscing going on over here. And uh, especially, you know, here we are at Christmas time, and in, in ages gone by, when it was the three children and their children, and Brother Hall's house, they have a five-bedroom five bedroom house, uh, two living rooms, upstairs and downstairs. So they had a house big enough, and back in the day when we were all sitting under Brother Hall, we were all attending Island Ford Baptist Church, we were all living in Madisonville. Back in the day, the tradition was on December the 23rd, we all spent the night at the Hall House. Three children, my six, their, I mean, my seven, their six, and then Ben and Angie as they was getting their five. So there was a bunch of us. Kind of like what we was at Thanksgiving, but we all didn't say spend the night there at the house, but kind of like we were at Thanksgiving was just mine. But, um, but, you know, as we look back on those times, we, you know, we reminisce and we see some of those, those things, and it's just not, not what, you know, it used to be. And so a lot of this, so he was bringing up some of the family times over here, but I, I'm, I'm thinking of, of the circle. And I, I see where the, the grandchildren are. I see where some of the children are, but I see where the grandchildren are. I see where the great-grandchildren are headed. Unless the Lord intervenes. And, and, and it, it hurts. It hurts me. It hurts my heart, especially my children and my grandchildren. But then I look at, at some of the other extended family, and, I, and I, you know, I know that they sat under the same preaching that I sat under. 
and then, you know, not, not allowing the Lord to sanctify them, some in salvation, and then some of them on this other part, not sanctifying themselves. Oh, they go to church, but they don't necessarily use the King James Bible anymore. You know, they listen to the radio, but it's not WSOF anymore. And you're saying, you know, and they'll say, oh, and they'll make excuses. They'll make excuses for their sin. They don't see it as sin. And they'll make excuses, and you're thinking, you know, look, just look around. The, the Bible's clear on the way of the transgressor being hard. Look at what you've been going through. You might think the transgression and the hardness and the hard times might have something to do with that in your life. And you want to go, ah, but you can't because <laughs> they got a wheel. But the way of the transgressor is hard. And those that bow up against what God wants us to do might receive a well, per se, in your life. When God really, 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 really wants to do something in us and through us and by us, like he did Jonah, and he says, nope, not going to do it. And he goes away, and he goes down, and he goes down, and he goes down. And finally God says, okay. He goes over, and God takes him down. <laughs> and then he finally gets to where God wanted him to be. But it would have been so much easier if he had just yielded. So the act of consecrating or setting apart for a sacred purpose, to say, here I am, Lord. I am nothing and nobody. But if you want to use me, so be it. Here I am, Lord. Point out things in my life that are, are displeasing unto thee. And I'll do my best to consecrate, to sanctify myself. 1 Corinthians 1. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 26. Again, talking to the church at Corinth, Paul writing the letter. For ye see your calling, and he says who he's talking to here, brethren. <laughs> For ye see your calling, brethren, how that, ye, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called, but God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And base things of the world and things which are despised hath God chosen. Yea, and things which are not to bring to naught things that are. Here's why. That no flesh should glory in his presence. Amen. And I run to this scripture oftentimes when I'm just saying, Lord, why me? You could have chosen anybody else to, to call to preach, but why me? Again, I should have been a statistic. I've said this before in my testimony. Lower middle class neighborhood. 
you know, had the alleys behind the back of the houses. And, you know, in town we have several neighborhoods like that here in the Midwest City region. Drugs, not as prevalent as they are today, but still drugs were around. I was offered it. I remember driving, you know, riding my bicycle up from the store and a fellow crossed the path and never had seen him before. I don't know, he's just in my neighborhood trying to find a buyer, offered to sell me some. He said, you want to buy? And I said, nope. He said, you know anybody else wants to buy? I said, nope. And he just kept on pedaling, and I kept on pedaling. And I seen uh, two, two doors down from me. You know, the, the teenagers, when I was the 8, 9, 10 years old, they were the 16, 17 years old, and seen something pulled out of the trunk of a car. And then the alcohol the, that I was around with my stepfathers, I sh- and just a statistic, I should have been, a, I should have fallen into all that. But I had a praying grandma that kept me in church. And in God's mercy, and then I'm like, and look, I'm, Lord, I'm, 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 I'm one of those weak things. I'm one of those base things, Lord. Why? Why me? He said, he answers the question there in verse 29 that no flesh should glory in his presence. We, we often, you know, we wonder about that and we struggle. And, you know, oftentimes people maybe struggle with the call going, me? Wasn't that Gideon? Gideon said, look, we're, I mean, I'm like the least of my father's house and my father's house the least in our tribe. <laughs> God says, I want you. Gideon tried to make excuse. Moses tried to make excuse. I, I can't talk. Send Aaron. There's a song about that. I'm slow, slow of speech, Lord. We want to make excuses. But he chooses these base things and these weak things and these not mighty things and, not, and these, these things that are not, the Bible tells us, so that no flesh should glory in his presence. But then he goes on to say in verse 30, 30, But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of, God, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. So God made us this way, that according as it is written, He that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. He, he chooses these things and... We are, this kind of could go both ways. We are in sanctification of the Lord, but we are to set ourselves apart again for, for His glory and not for our own. And that's where we mess up oftentimes. We get the big head, and I've been there too. Get self-righteous, you know. I, I forgot that I was the weak base thing that God had called me to preach, and now I've got, you know, I got me a suit given. I found it at the Goodwill or whatever. <laughs> found a good suit at the... You know, I got me a good King James Bible. You know, I've preached a whole two years and think that I am it. Until my grandmother says, takes her long finger and puts it on my nose and tells me how self-righteous I was. Needless to say, that was a very humbling experience. Again, who was glorifying? I was in my flesh. Look at me. Look at my family. Look how clean we are. Look at the things we don't do. I fell into that. We kicked out our TV. We don't wear pants. You know, our dark ladies don't wear pants. And so on and so forth. 
You know, I got into that. Who was glorifying? Who was getting the glory? It was me. Not that God was getting the glory out of it. It was me getting the glory. Self-glorification. And then God had to knock me down several notches. And he did. But it's that he gets the glory. He that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. That's one of the reasons we ought to sanctify ourselves. Not that we get glory of, look, look at I've done. I've cleaned this up. I've cleaned that up. I got rid of the chewing tobacco, I, you know. I got rid of the network television. And then I got here and pulled it back in. And God said, you need to get it back out after camp one year. So we put it back. We don't look at it when the storms are, when the dark the clouds are. We turn in and watch the radar. That's it. On occasion, something else, but for the most part, I mean, network television, just what they're trying to shove down our throats, all these new shows and the characters they've got and the relationships in those, all those characters, I'm like, I don't need to see that mess. They're just trying to shove that stuff down my throat, and that's, that's against what the Word of God says. So I put it, turned it off. To glorify me? No, to glorify Him. That he might get glory in me, through me, by me. First Thessalonians chapter four. This is two other. This is so we've seen it. We've seen sanctified sanctification in Second Thessalonians two, First Peter one. We've seen it one time here in First Peter. I'm sorry, First Corinthians one, and we see it twice in First Thessalonians chapter four. Again, this is, the saint, this is the progressive sanctification. This is us working on ourselves. This is uh, us seeing what God wants us to do. And like the third time when he told the children of Israel to go and to cleanse themselves, to wash their clothes, <laughs> to clean themselves up because God's coming. There's another passage of Scripture about the presence of God, you know, when they had paddles at the end of their swords. So that they could bury their human waste, let's put it that way, in the camp. They had to dig a hole, go in the hole, and cover it up. Why? Because God walked in the camp. I heard one preacher preach that text, and he says, God don't want to step in your mess. Sanctification. Setting ourselves apart. And this, again, this is the act of consecrating ourselves. Or setting apart for the sake for a sacred purpose. That's consecrating yourself. Fathers, that's consecrating your families. First Thessalonians 4. Furthermore, one, verse 1. Furthermore, we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as ye have received of us. I've underlined this part. How? Ye ought to walk and to please God. So the preachers, as I brought out this morning, the preachers, the teachers, the evangelists, preach it, teach it, so that the listener can hear and know how ye ought to walk and to please God. So ye would abound more and more. That's our desire as preachers and teachers. 
We want to see families abound. We want to see individuals abound. We don't want to see you living in the wilderness. We want to see you go on over Jordan. <laughs> like we're getting ready to in the, men, in the men's Sunday school class. Getting ready to cross over Jordan. What's on the other side of Jordan? Milk and honey. The grapes of Eskel. The upper springs and the nether springs. Victory and victorious life. And we have that desire for you. Like Paul did here with the Thessalonican church. How ye ought, we preached it. How ye ought to walk and to please God so that ye would abound more and more. For ye know what commandments we gave you by the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God. Even your sanctification. That ye should abstain from fornication. So... It's God's will. And I know he deals with the flesh here. He deals with the, the fornication word here. But there is a strong, a strong, strong passions of the flesh. This is fornication. This is, can be applied to, and I think it is, um, Relations outside the bounds of marriage, but then going back to Exodus chapter 19 in the third, the third case there, he said not only to, to wash themselves, verse number 14, and Moses went down from the mountain to the people and sanctified the people, and they washed their clothes. And he said unto the people, Be ready against the third day, because God's coming, right? But then he goes on with the phrase here, And come not... At your wives. Abstain. Because of the passions of the flesh can draw you away from being consecrated. Obviously, in Exodus's case, married. Here in Thessalonica, unmarried. Fornication. So, for this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that's you setting yourself apart, you consecrating yourself for sacred purpose, that ye should abstain from fornication, colon, that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. This flesh is strong. Whether it be in the marriage bounds or in this case out of the marriage bounds. Possess your, his vessel in sanctification and honor, setting yourself apart again, just like they did in Exodus 19. Not in the lust of concupiscence, and that's a word I have to look up every time because that's not one we use every day. Not in the lust of concupiscence. So again, this is that fleshly lust. This is that fleshly passion because concupiscence means... <laughs> To covet or lust after, to desire or covet, lust. Unlawful or irregular desire of sexual pleasure, in a more general sense, the coveting of carnal things or an irregular appetite for worldly good, inclination for unlawful enjoyments. This flesh is strong to all those things, whether it be 
in a physical relationship or may just drawn away to the sports, to the, to the this and to the that and to the, all the pleasures of the world, whether it be deer stands or fishing boats or whatever, sports stadiums. The, he's just saying, look, set yourself apart. Some of those things are okay in the right time in the right place. The, the one is okay in the bounds of marriage. But he said, even then, look, when I come among you, I don't want you uh, thinking on those things. I don't want, I'll just stay, don't come at your wives, he said. Because he knows the, strong, the strongness of the, the flesh. He said, wash your clothes. And even... In the Old Testament economy, there was a, a time of purification with marriage couples, married couples. Again, sanctification. So oftentimes we can be just drawn away of so many things in our minds and our bodies and the, and, the, and the flesh just takes over. So this fornication could actually be applied in a lot of different areas. This, this whole irregular appetite for the worldly, for worldly good and unlawful enjoyments. Just, you can apply it to so many things in that sense. So that every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor, not in the lust of concupiscence, even as the Gentiles which know not God, that no man go beyond and defraud his, his brother in any matter, because that the Lord is the avenger of all such, as we also have forewarned you and testified. For God hath not called us unto uncleanness, but unto holiness. And I put, I just underlined, for God hath, God hath and then I skipped the knot, underlined called us, and then I underline unto holiness. That's what God's called us to do. And so when God calls us to holiness, be ye holy for I am holy, the word of God tells us, he's called us to holiness, then we ought to take that as a time of, okay, I need to separate myself. I need to sanctify myself. I need to, I like what Brother Tim said, I need to prepare myself to worship earlier than 10 minutes before Sunday school starts. If that, the morning of, bless you. He, that, he therefore that despiseth, despises not man, but God who hath also given unto us his Holy Spirit. But as touching brotherly love, ye need not that I write unto you, for ye yourselves taught are taught of God to love one another. So they didn't have a problem with loving the brethren, but they might have could have had a problem with just fleshly desires. And he said, God had not called us to uncleanness, but into holiness. And that's sanctification. Sanctification is the fact of possessing our vessel, clean, you know, keeping our, our mind, thoughts, Person clean. Setting ourselves apart to a sacred purpose. 
ultimately that, like in 1 Corinthians says, that he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord, that no flesh should glory in his presence. If we can have that mindset that we get no glory, but that he gets all the glory in our lives. I think I said this last, that last week along those lines. If we can ever get there where we think that way 24-7, when we wake up, we, we're thankful for the night's rest. We're also asking the Lord to help us through the day to go in a way that he gets glory in our lives. When we are facing decisions, again, making those decisions that he gets glory in our lives, where we should live, where we should go to church, the jobs that he has for us, like the job listing that I pointed out a few weeks ago, the flesh said, oh, that's great. The flesh said, you're qualified for that beginning at $100,300 a year. But the Spirit said, that's not where I've got you. <laughs> I've got you where I can get the most glory out of you. Yes, Lord. And I have to say, be satisfied with that. I have to understand that. I have to think that way when I'm faced with these temptations to draw me away. When I'm faced with the fleshly desires. Will me entering into that, will me doing that glorify God? Or, you know, and I've been in positions and have been, <laughs> have been really, and you say, well, you've got a good job. You're making X amount of dollars a month. Yes, and a lot of it goes to insurance. Half of it, well, all my deductions is half my paycheck from the other job. And I'm not complaining there. But what I'm saying is, the flesh says, oh, now that you've got all this under your belt, you can do better. But the, the Spirit says, you get glory out of, I get glory out of your life when you're dependent upon me. Amen. And I said, you know, Lord, that's right. When there's more month than the money, and God just continues to send it in, and you go, thank you, Lord. I want to glorify you for that. And he, he puts us in places and maybe, I mean, it's been that way with me. It's different, different things in different other people's life. It's been money with my life. It's just, that's what God has used to keep me dependent, to keep me looking to him to keep me glorifying him because I keep seeing him just keep doing it again and again and again and again. But there's other things that he sends in other people's lives. Sometimes it's not money. Sometimes it's other things. But they'll send something. They'll say, this is where you need to lean on me. This is an area you're weak in. This is an area that you need to, as he put it there, to possess your vessel in. That I will get the glory in your life. There's lots of different people who got different things. 
that people go through. We often wonder why. But it's for His glory. Because we see Him work. When He gets us into these certain situations and we can't do nothing but call upon Him for help, (laughs) then He gets the glory. And that's where we need to be. In all these things. So as he points these things out in our lives, these two types, we can be thankful, again, for the fact that we are positionally sanctified of the Spirit and of the Spirit, as we read there in Second Thessalonians and First Peter. But then we need to be consecrating ourselves for his glory in our position and our progressive sanctification. And as we get things preached to us, whether it's at Fifth Sunday and the various different preachers down there, preaching the various different messages to a mixed congregation, and the fact there's three, four churches oftentimes, now five churches, four, four, we've, four or five churches, if Brother Babcock and, and Brother Jacob Burley's there, then five churches represented there. And as the preaching goes through there, you know, going with a mindset of, okay, Lord, what do I need that you might get glory in my life? What do I need to, where, where, do, where do I need to work? Search me and try me. We sing the song. We can read it in Psalms as David, which that song is based on, David, David wrote. And, of course, he, in writing that, he, he wanted ultimately the... That joy to be restored unto him. And he wanted um, yeah, that renewed spirit in Psalm fifty one. Created me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the, whole, the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. And if you'll do all that for me, Lord, then, verse number 13, will I teach transgressors thy ways, and sinners shall be converted unto thee. We can get between God and the sinner in our lives how we live it. We can be self-righteous to the point where they don't see Christ, they see us. And they ought not to see us, they should see Christ in us, the hope of glory. We should keep ourselves a base. We should keep ourselves the nothingness. We should keep ourselves the foolishness that God could work in us to his glory that he might that folks might see him in us and glorify his name. And that's the thoughts tonight. Heavenly Father.